You're listening to the Employment Rights Online podcast, where we discuss everything employment rights and the job. everyone. I hope you're having a great Employment Rights Week as we move further towards full return to the workplace. Now, that brings us to another listener's question, which is a great question and one which came off the back of last week's episode about the employment status of agency workers. In fact, it's such a good question that we've changed the schedule to fit the question in this week. And the question we were asked is, what if I applied for a job, but when I started the job and got my first month's wages, my employer told me that I have to pay my own tax and national insurance because I'm self-employed. Does this make me an agency worker? Is this right? So the first thing to say is that we've responded to the listener directly and provided support for the listener to move this issue forward. But we felt that it was a really good question and one which we could share in this week's episode of the podcast. So back to the question. Now, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you'll know that in week six, we looked at the status of IR35 workers who are contract workers. Now, in that episode, we established that IR35 workers, IR35 being a reference to HMRC rules for off-payroll working, IR35 refers to everyone who contracts their services to the public sector, but who is not part of that public sector's payroll and who, therefore, for tax purposes, are assessed as if they are workers and not self-employed by virtue of the fact that they are contracting their services to public sector organisations. Now, there are plans to extend this IR35 rule to the private sector, but IR35 currently refers specifically to contractors who contract their services to public sector organisations and are therefore taxed as if they are workers. Now, the reason we focus on the employment status of IR35 workers to answer this question is because the rules that make an IR35 contractor a worker and not someone who is self-employed are exactly the same rules that will prevent an employer from telling you that you're self-employed when in actual fact you may well be a worker. For avoidance of any doubt, if you're self-employed, you are not an employee or a worker of any type. So to establish if you're a worker, the rules are pretty straightforward. The first rule is called mutuality of obligation. And in this rule, if there is an expectation or a contract which expects you to work exclusively for your employer, meaning you cannot work for anyone else during your working hours and you are expected to work only for that employer, then this would suggest that you can't be self-employed. 
because the employer is expecting you to be tied to their business and their business alone during those working hours. The second rule is that if the person you are working for can tell you where to work or has ultimate control over what you do at work or has ultimate authority over you and can dismiss you from your job, then this would suggest that you're a worker and not self-employed. Because if you were self-employed, you would be the person in control of these types of areas of your work. You would be able to say, do you know what? I'm not doing this job anymore. I'm off. And you'd be able to go and nobody would be able to stop you. Or you would be able to decide, hmm, I think I'll do the job this way. Because you're self-employed and you have the authority over yourself and how you do that work. You would also be able to decide that today you're not going into work. You'll send Kevin or Joanne to do the work for you because you have the power to substitute somebody to do that work for you instead of you. And you can decide to go off and do something else. If you don't have the right to be able to control your own work in this way, then you're likely to be a worker and your employer will find it difficult to convince a tribunal that you're anything other than a worker. The third rule is that if the company you work for has an obligation to provide you with work during the days and hours that you're expected to be at work, and the company you work for can tell you how they want you to complete that work and expects you to be obligated to complete that work, then it's likely that you're a worker. It must therefore follow that if you can decide how you provide any work or services to a particular company and you can decide in completing that work that you will work maybe two hours today and three hours tomorrow and six hours at the weekend to complete that job. And when you've completed that job, the employer or the person who's hired you is under no obligation to find work for you to do, then you're more likely to be self-employed. The fourth rule is that if you receive what you believe to be regular wages, either paid in cash or paid directly into your bank account, whether or not your employer decides to give you a pay slip, because the pay slip is important, but it's not a determining factor for whether you're a worker or whether you're self-employed. So whether your employer decides to give you a pay slip or not, or even if your employer tells you that you need to produce an invoice before you receive any money. If you receive a regular payment, then you are likely to be a worker. The key here is the regularity of payments to you, which will suggest to a tribunal that you're being treated as a worker. So even if the employer tries to convince you that you're self-employed, if the employer treats you as if you are a worker, then you're likely to be a worker. And what's likely happening is that the employer is likely trying to hide the fact that you're a worker by not making the proper deductions from you and by not giving you the employment rights that come with your status as a worker. 
Some employers believe that if they don't treat you as if you're a worker by not doing things like paying you holiday pay or not deducting tax and national insurance from your wages, that you will believe that you're self-employed and that everyone else looking on will think that you're self-employed. But a tribunal will apply a harder test than just how things look. And a tribunal will look at all of the rules before a decision is made about your employment status. And it will be for your employer to prove that you are not a worker. And the fifth and final rule is that if the company you work for provides you with any tools or equipment or office equipment or vehicles or indeed anything you need to enable you to do the job the employer is expecting you to do, then you're a worker. So it can't work if your employer comes along and says, well, Kevin buys his own pens and pencils and he's got his own mobile phone. And Joanne, she provides her own uniforms and her own working shoes. So Kevin and Joanne are self-employed. That won't work. To convince a tribunal in this area, then you would have to be responsible for providing any and every piece of equipment that is linked to you being able to do the job the hirer is expecting you to do. And even if you're buying small pieces of equipment, that will not be enough for an employer to convince a tribunal that you're self-employed. And the reason for this is because the tribunal doesn't just look at these rules individually. The test of whether someone is a worker or not is much more complex and not usually determined by any one of these individual rules on their own. Instead, an employment tribunal will look at all of the arrangements surrounding your status, something which the tribunal calls the multiple test factor. A tribunal will look at the whole picture and will look at everything in terms of the arrangements for how you are completing that work on behalf of the company. And that will be looked at before any decision is made about your employment status. So treating you as if you're not a worker when you're clearly a worker will not help the employer to avoid their responsibilities as your employer. It is accepted that sometimes employers take advantage of the fact that young workers in particular and some workers generally don't know enough about their employment rights to understand what rules should surround their employment status and what their employment rights should be for any given particular status. And in this situation, sometimes workers can be encouraged to agree to employment terms which allow the employer to take advantage of them to avoid the employer's legal obligations. And this is usually done because it's convenient to the employer to not have you on the books. But in not having you on the books, you are losing employment rights 
and you are losing employment protections. And this is why your employment status is important. So when an employer tells you that you're self-employed, but treats you as if you are a worker, these practices are generally referred to as sham arrangements. And sham arrangements are usually in place because the employer wants to avoid or evade their legal responsibilities to you as a worker. Now, if you don't know the arrangements that should surround your status and you don't know your employment rights, you're still likely to accept this kind of working arrangement. Because if you've been without work, you'll just be happy or grateful that at least you've got something and you've now got some money coming in. And in the beginning, things may go okay, but it won't be until you get into a dispute with the employer, perhaps over not being paid all the money that you're owed or not receiving holiday pay that you think you're entitled to. And it will be at that point in time where things start to go wrong and you start to question the arrangements surrounding the job that you have. And it's at that point where you should consider putting in a complaint, what we call a grievance, because that's going to be the starting point for taking your case to a tribunal. Now, you don't necessarily have to wait for the employer to sort your grievance out. But it is good practice to make that complaint because you're putting the employer on notice that you have concerns about the way you've been treated at work. So in closing, it's important to note that for an employer to convince a tribunal that you are self-employed, a tribunal will expect the employer to go through rules one to five and give a picture of your total employment arrangements and not just the arrangements in one rule or another. If this information in the podcast resonates for you and you feel like you need to make a complaint, then to help you, We've included some grievance letter templates that you can use to help you write that complaint. All you need to do is scroll down to the bottom of the show notes where you're listening to this podcast and press the see more button. Once you've done that, you'll see some live links which you press and they will take you straight to the downloads. Hopefully there's something useful that you can work with in this week's episode. Remember to let others know we are here by sharing our content and also please consider leaving us a review about the podcast if you like what you hear. But above all, keep your questions and comments coming. Don't forget to access your free grievance downloads which you'll find in the links at the bottom of the show notes. That's it for this week. We'll be here next week where we'll delve into another podcast dealing with everything employment rights and the job. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.